0: In three, two, one. Howdy, howdy! Welcome to the Build Life Podcast. We are back for this week's Q and A episode. So, over the last week or so, we've been collecting questions from you guys—stuff that people want to know about building, about barnominiums, or about the process—and more than just the physical build stuff. So, I've got Emily here, and we're going to go through them. We both have a set of notes, and. We're going to try to answer these as directly as possible, but just know we have a lot of information online too, on either of our websites and in tons of other videos. So we're going to link in the show notes to some of those resources so that you can get
1: deeper explanations on some of the topics we cover today. So you ready, Emily? I am. I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, I spent last week in Kentucky at the uh, National Frame Builders Association, and boy, I am fired up about Barnominiums even more than I was before this. Okay, what was your favorite part of that? The My favorite part was seeing the potential in the industry, because we walked around for almost a, a week with other builders and suppliers, and uh, there really is so much more uh, to this Barnuminium trend than than any anybody has realized yet Uh, so I think that was the most exciting part about just seeing people get energized talking to us about it and saying yes that's something that they want to add to their business, Uh, seeing people uh, see the value in it, Uh, so I just i'm really excited about it, because I think it's going to be able to benefit everybody who's listening in a major way and make this a lot easier of a process. It'll still be really difficult for people, but I think that there's going to be the chance to be more successful at it and it be a s- less stressful.
0: That's fantastic. Cool. Well, <laughs> did you meet anybody interesting
1: while you were there before we get into the questions? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, we met, um, we met the folks from the Minium company. Uh, we uh, were, we we kind of go back with uh, Kyle from R&R Buildings, so we got to see him and Greg again, uh, and uh, they did a really cool demo uh, that showed other builders how he builds, which is very similar to how we build. Uh, so just even promoting that type of uh, construction, I think it's really helpful because what people might not realize is that there is a lot of different ways to do something and uh, Barnum and Ann building is no exception. And so I think to, to help move towards a standard practice, uh, is going to be the best option for most people in this industry.
0: No, totally agree with you. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. I guess I'll let you tackle the first question because honestly, you have a lot more experience building than I do because you do it for other people. So go
1: ahead with the financing. We're going to tackle the big stuff first. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The big, uh, mil- literally million dollar question uh, it, they are about financing. What do I need to do before I try to find a lender for my build? And I love it when somebody asks before, uh, because my uh, experience has led me to believe that there is a lot that goes into the planning and the process before you even talk to the right people about things. Uh, You need to be well-equipped, you need to be organized and very prepared. That's something that uh, Mr. Postframe and I, we are rapidly moving towards a model that is gonna be able to help people when you just start thinking about a Uh, Barnuminium and being that uh, friend and that uh, guidance that's at the very, very, very start because we've heard way too, we've heard too many stories and we've actually experienced way too many things with our clients. That uh, people they just they don't get off on the right foot, and then it leads to disappointment, and it leads to a more stressful process and things like that. So, uh, so what do I need to do? I actually I have a guide that I wrote that's on our website, uh, MrPostframe.com, and it is a free download on what to do before you contact a lender, uh, what to expect, uh, what kind, and, and it gets into a little bit of the nitty gritty of like credit score and down payment amounts and just and explaining those kinds of things and also touches on the self builder or the DIY builder, uh, the, the options for people for lending in the Barnum market that's exploding right along with the industry as a whole. And so uh, we are going to see more and more availability, but it doesn't mean that we can't be prepared. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you won't have a few uphill battles to fight with it. So you have to you have to know what they're gonna ask you for and know what to expect, uh, otherwise, you're just gonna get a lot of shut doors uh, in your face. and I tell I always tell people, I said, being organized, that is proving your ability that's part of proving your ability. So you're gonna get a lot people a lot more willing to maybe bend their policies and and make an exception for you if you come in very prepared.
0: Okay, so what I hear in that, that most people probably, mm, I've seen some infighting about it on the Barnuminium groups, but don't go to a lender expecting them to have a lot to offer you. You have to go to them with as much pot as possible on your end in terms of concrete numbers um, and in terms of like a visible plan, whether it be renderings or, you know, a few ideas of what you're looking for um, and just really go to them not empty handed with as much planning as possible beforehand. So I guess that brings us to another question on the lender front. What comes first? Do I get
1: plans first or do I figure out my financing first? Well, here's another uh, encouragement for what I was talking about of like, you need to be connected with the right people before you even when you start dreaming about it, which Megan, you and I are some of the right people like that's what I'm saying is you have to get connected with us because, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of incredible Barnuminium plans out there that will never actually see reality. Uh, We have talked to uh, plenty of other designers, Uh, we ourselves are designers as well as builders and unfortunately uh, a lot of people come in with really big ideas and then they get shocked when they see how much it costs and uh, so you need to have your preliminary budget in place and you need to have a general idea of what kind of cash position you have versus what kind of lending need you have. Can you even qualify for your lending? Uh, you, you don't have to be qualified. You just need to know like, it, am, I, am I really overshooting this with how much money I'm gonna spend? Uh, and you need to go into design with your budget, with your overall budget set. And when I tell people overall budget, I'm talking about like if you're trying to spend if you're like hey my budgets like 550 I tell people you kind of need to broaden it a little bit at the beginning and say like. 500 to 600 or 525 to seven to 575 you need to kind of have a broad a broad budget, because you haven't designed the House you haven't gotten down into the final details of like what drain is going in my master shower kind of decisions. So, um yeah, so you need to have you need to have a reasonable budget for your designer to work with you on uh and, you know, we're we're actually uh not going to uh let people go that far anymore. We've let people go too far down that road and um and it just doesn't work because there's no sense. It's, it the design process is is the most one of the most fun parts, and so everybody gets all excited about it. It's like, well, but then you get really bummed out uh, when your bud when your build is a hundred thousand more than you have in your budget, or it, you know it's just disappointing.
0: So, do you think good advice to folks would be do not? If you had to sit down today and say, okay, I'm going to build a house, but I have no idea what my budget is for building that house would it be good advice to say, sit down and say, if I were gonna buy a house tomorrow, what would my budget be?
1: Yes, yes, because okay. your affor- what you can afford is, is what you can afford, whether you right. buy, a, buy a house that, pre-existing or you build one, like you, everybody knows what they can afford. Right. Um, and everybody's eyes get a little too big during the design process, because you see on a CAD program, you can literally do anything. And so everybody gets excited, like, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. And then it's like all of the this and that's add up to a lot of extra money.
0: Yes, they do. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of folks who I'll ask them, you want if you wanted to buy a house tomorrow, what would you spend? What what would be your budget for that? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they usually say, oh, I have no idea. And I'm like, I, it, I don't believe them when they say that. Um, I think I called you probably a year ago now. And I said that someone came to me with a, a three building design. Imagine there's a, there's a pool. And then on two sides of the pool opposite each other, there are two, we'll call them 50 by 100 um, garages. And then at the short end of the pool, there's another 50 by 100 house and they, you know, encompass this little pool. And then there's a on the open end of the pool there's a uh, overlook into the woods or off a cliff or whatever some beautiful view and um the guy sent me pictures of a house that was from like architectural digest and was expecting me to come in somewhere around six hundred thousand dollars because he kept calling it a barn dominium because the outside was all you know, the home structure was all one roof it wasn't um there, there wasn't a lot of complications in the roof line. And he thought that that was what was going to be the big game changer for him. And I was like, how, how much do you expect this mm-hmm. to cost? Cause I couldn't, I couldn't order you three Palm Harbor homes in that size for that right. price, but you expect someone to come out and build right. it. Um, and it right. just, it amazes me sometimes when people have absolutely no idea what it is that they can afford, um, or what they should be paying Per square foot for anything. I mean, I think bare minimum you're going to spend, or you should budget for a hundred dollars a square foot if you're doing everything yourself.
1: Yeah, that's um. that's you're, you're <laughs> literally you're almost doing literally everything yourself. There yeah. are, and if somebody claims that they can do it for you for a lot less, uh, let me assure you, they are they are either about to go out of business or they are going to. Uh, you're really gonna have some trouble there once you're too far gone into the process and they start demanding more money. Um, it just, it's, it's just not possible. Uh, it, and that's, and that is what it is. So everybody, think a barn dominium build is not half the, half the cost or anything like that, because I tell people every day, once you get inside a house is a house is a house
0: Mm
1: -hmm. nothing, uh, you know, uh, the barnuminium lady said it best. She's, she said, you know, sheetrock doesn't cost less just because you put it in a barnuminium. Right. Yeah. Toilet doesn't, Lowe's isn't like, hey, I'm going to give you a bigger discount on this toilet because you told me you're putting it in a Barno. And that's why, why people, while well, people will say, well, yeah, duh, you know, that's a stupid thing for you to tell me. People think that way.
0: Yes, their they their do.
1: attitude is, oh well, it's cheaper. Well, if you're going to save forty percent on a build, it everything has to be cheaper than it is in a normal home, and that's not the case. You can't. You, nobody's giving you a bigger break because it's in a barn door. Barnum right. got a good reputation for being cheaper because people were doing it themselves because mm-hmm. banks weren't lending, so people were only using cash to build. And I don't know about you, but I don't know like tons of people that are going to drop six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars on something that they've got just sitting in the bank. Like most people build really simple, really basic homes with cash. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yep. So yeah, so that's, uh, those are my, I've I've got strong opinions if you can't tell about <laughs> <one>. <laughs> uh, Because I don't, not because I'm angry about anything, but because I am not wanting people to be Delusional. I, I'm not wanting people to go into something because all you're going to do is be disappointed. Right. Um, I don't want you to not realize your dream of, of having a barnuminium. I want you to be able to do that. It's just, you have to under, you have to comprehend what it is that I'm telling you. And if you don't, then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, yeah. and that I'm not, in the, I'm not in that business of, of just disappointing people and giving you splashy viral videos every once in a while. Right. Okay.
0: Nope. That's uh, that's great. The best customer is an educated customer. And um, mm-hmm. I know uh, we talk a lot about this, but it's really hard to help people who won't try to figure things out on their own, or they come to you with all of these misconceptions, which I think is a lot of what we're trying to do here is clear up some of these things. Um, exactly. Okay. Here's one that I see all the time. Are taxes
1: less for barn dominiums? Are taxes less? So in this, I think this kind of goes back to the the idea that they're cheaper. So if you build a inexpensive home, your your property taxes will be less, no matter what type of home it is. A less expensive home has less taxes. A uh, more expensive home and a grander home typically is taxed more because it's worth more. So your tax rate is your tax rate in your county. Um, And so you can do some research on what is your tax rate, and then you can just, and then you can figure it out. It takes a little math, but you can figure out what is a typical cost of this square footage home in my area, and and then you can figure out what your approximate taxes would be. Um, We're very fortunate. We, I feel like our taxes are very, very reasonable. Uh, We pay just under six grand a year and our house is 4000 square feet and 2300 square foot garage now some people in the south, they think that's a big ripoff. but we used to live in Illinois and our. (laughs) Our our house that was half that size on half the amount of land their taxes are up to almost 10 grand a year so we're feeling like we're getting a good deal. Um, So. So yeah so we're, I would say, in general, though, because most of these are built on acreages, you can usually have most of your property zoned agricultural. Uh, we even have somebody that we work with that he said his piece of land is big enough that they zone all of it, A, even where the House is going to sit. Um, So that is going to be doesn't even
0: have to homestead that out and exactly exactly
1: so so there are those kinds of exceptions where when you're getting into bigger pieces of land, sometimes your property taxes will be more favorable Um, and there's. uh, There's different tips and tricks to to it in some other states like we have some other folks that are self building that are like yeah if I zone it this way and then I zone it this way when i'm done it all works out to where i'm only they're only classifying me as this type of property. And so it's going to be cheaper. Um, none of it's cheating. It's all legal, like legally doing things, but um, it's really going to vary. But yeah, I would say you can end up getting a lot more uh, for less tax cost to you.
0: Right. Well, and what you're appraised for by the tax office is a totally different number than what you can sell for. So it doesn't equate. I think a lot of people fear building these when they hear about tax benefits for it, because they're like, well, if it's only worth this much to the county, then it's not worth me building it for X amount of dollars because I can't resell it for X amount of dollars. It's like, no, 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 no. Other people see the value in what you're building. And that's where the resale value comes from. Not what the tax office says it's worth. Right. 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 You don't, you,
1: (laughs) and you don't want your tax office to price it the same. No. And you want to contest that if they price it high. Exactly. Which that's, you know, to that point, you can, if you feel like it's unfair. Yeah. You can, you can contest it
0: for sure. Okay. Well, okay. Next question here was, can my construction loan cover costs for rental equipment like scissor lifts or heavy equipment for clearing land?
1: A simple answer is yes, Uh, that that's part of the building process and if you're DIYing those parts, uh, you can you can submit to have those things reimbursed to you because if you were hiring somebody to do it they're including those costs in the invoice that they send you so anything that that a contractor. Does or would charge you for uh, you can you can request reimbursement Uh, if you're a DIY. I'm assuming that this this is somebody that might be like DIYing this part of their build. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're DIYing, the only thing you can't submit for reimbursement, it would be labor costs. Okay, Uh, even even though you've probably been asked to get a full labor and material bid from a contractor, uh, you're not able to submit the same type of reimbursement if you're doing the work yourself. Okay, perfect. That makes a lot of sense. All right, last one for
0: cost-related stuff and loan-related stuff, and then we're going to move on to questions about types of barn dominiums. So here we go. How long do barn dominiums last?
1: <laughs> they last as long as uh, as as long as the the quality of your project <laughs> indicates. <laughs> um, so it, it really. Now, when I say cheap, I don't mean cost. If you are, if if you have a cheaply built home with very low grade materials in it, uh, whether it's a barnuminium or any other type of construction, your house is not built to be a heirloom home. It is not built to last more than probably 30 to 40 years. You know, It's kind of getting, if you're building, and that would fall into like a starter home type category. Uh, but if you are building a, a barnuminium with uh, high quality steel on it. Uh, you're doing a foundation system that is uh, meant to be permanent. Uh, those are the those are kind of some of the key things that then your home can last indefinitely. Your home can be one of those homes that people 100 years from now they're remodeling it. Yes, it needs repairs and stuff, but it's not an automatic. Oh, this will be this will have to be bulldozed in 25 years sort of a thing.
0: Right. So with the metal, because I know that on our building, I think our exterior metal was guaranteed the color alone for like 25 years, no fade. And then on top of that, they said, you know, the metal's supposed to last at least 50 years before you're going to want to start looking at replacing parts, not even just as a whole, like this is going to last much longer than any other siding you have on a home.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of them are uh, anywhere. There even are some steel panels that are guaranteed color for forty to fifty years. Or um, and and yes, to that point, just because the paint may start fading doesn't mean that the product has actually run its course. Uh, it means that. So you're if you're if you're listening and you're living in a stick built home, chances are you have some sort of siding on it, whether it's vinyl or that hardy board or like a you know LP smart siding or something like that. None of that is lasting anywhere close to 40 years. No. That's all 20, maybe 20 years and you're gonna have to reclad your house. Um, so so yeah, so metal definitely lasts a lot longer. Uh, there's different gauges of steel. So some folks, uh, some companies, your more higher end builders, they're gonna use higher gauge or lower gauged steel, uh, which is uh, a little thicker, stronger on your build. Um, But like the steel that you have access to from like agricultural buildings and stuff, that stuff is usually still guaranteed for 40 plus years and is is very adequate um, to build with.
0: Okay. So when you say gauge, um, I have a background in nursing. So for me, when I hear gauge, I think needles. And the smaller (laughs) the number on your needle, the bigger hole you're putting in someone. So like a 16 gauge needle, you might as well be stabbing someone. Is it the same with metal on buildings, the smaller the number, the larger or
1: the thicker? All right. So is it the same concept as it is with needles? Uh, Kind of. Uh, The lower the number, the thicker the steel, and that indicates a stronger, higher quality product. Uh, But most residential builds are going to be somewhere in the like mid 20s for gauge uh like 26 27 uh 28 gauge steel and uh so you know that's kind of the number you're not going to get like a 10 gauge seal on your house or something like that Um, just so people know perspective you know and there's very little difference uh in between like one number and another, like mm-hmm. the increments that it goes down in thickness is, is very minuscule. So, so I we feel like there's a decent, uh, there's a decent range in that, num- that mid 20 number where you're, you're kind of six to one half dozen of the other, uh, the cost goes up the lower, ga- the lower the gauge. So, uh, so that's something to keep in mind that you don't, um, you're going to pay more, the thicker that it is.
0: Okay. So then would you want to use a higher gauge on the roof than the walls? Is that a thing anyone does?
1: Oh, like a low, you other direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. A A thicker steel. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So you'd want your number, and that is what some people do too. Like they, they go with a lower number on the roof system and then a, and then a higher number on, Uh, The sides Uh, we found with when you're hiring a builder in general they kind of have like this is the steel, we use, and this is the gauge, and this is the application, and this is what it's good for. Mm -hmm. Um, And they keep it simple that way no you know so that's one of those things don't don't try to get too much into the weeds on it and don't you know if you're DIYing your build don't try to overthink that.
0: Yeah. That was one thing that did catch me up whenever we were ordering our building kit, because we had a lot of options like that. Yeah. Um, so cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Makes a lot yeah, of sense. And I would you. say on that note, speaking of, of roofs, just real side note, uh, our insurance company offers a, an add on because we have a steel roof that will cover that damage. So that it's not, it's not typically included in your, in your normal homeowner's policy to cover hail damage and things like that on a, on a steel roof, because it's going to dent like one, one hail storm and it'll be dented. Um, So we have an add on and I want to say it's maybe like not even $200 a year extra and it covers, covers our roof system. So keep that in mind when you're pricing out your insurance, ask them if they offer it. And if they say no, find a different insurance company. Cool.
0: Okay. So now on to types. So I'm going to ask you this one because you were the post frame expert here. What do I need to look for when I'm looking at plans for
1: a post frame home?
0: And I think what they mean is like different from like regular plans, regular yeah. stick frame home plans.
1: Yes. So uh, very unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of designers that have they see the potential in the market and they have been in the Barnuminium groups on social media and stuff like that. And they have advertised themselves as uh Barnuminium designers. Uh, we have done, we have what's called a Barnuminium plan audit. And we have done several with people that, that say, Hey, I just spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on these plans. This guy said he knew how to design post frame. Uh, here's my plans. And, and Paul's like, yeah, by the end of the conversation, most people are like, "Oh, I gotta redesign like basically the whole house." And he's like, "Yeah, unfortunately, so uh, because it really is different when you are building post frame. It is there are posts. <laughs> you that's the hence the name. Like so, you have to have post spacing, and when you and and that's just different than stick building homes because stick built homes have a lot of headers and different things like that in them that kind of let you place things wherever you feel like it. And in post frame, in order for the building to be strong, you have you you want to try to keep consistent your post spacing. Uh, We build things eight foot on center. And so then when somebody's like, oh, I want my window here and I won't move it. Then you've got a post here, a header here, a post there. And it just kind of all gets jumbled and and messy and um, And yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to dog on anybody out there, but I'm just saying that there, it takes more than I know how to design a really cool floor plan to be a post frame designer. You have to actually understand the construction, otherwise somebody will get a near useless set of plans uh, that or something that's going to cost them exorbitantly more money. Uh, which kind of defeats the purpose, like the efficiency in the way you can build post-frame is one of the reasons why it can save you some cost on the structure.
0: Right. But if you have to get re-engineer around all of these openings that were placed aesthetically, um, but right. not right. With, with much in mind in terms of construction, um, that makes a lot of sense. So you, yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. it's a silly question to ask because I think I know the answer, but are you saying that having a set of plans that is made really well for your type of construction specifically will save you money, period?
1: Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. It will. It will make you more efficient. If you're self-building, you have zero chance of success if you don't have a good set of plans that's designed for your type of construction. Uh, you you will struggle. You will fail. You will do things that that could be catastrophic to your build. And I um, so like I would say if you're if you're asking me what is the non-starter when you're looking for a designer if, if you're not coming to Mister Post Frame and asking us to design your home if you're with somebody else uh, the non-starter is if they say they don't include a post layout. So ooh, if they- that's a good red flag yeah that's a red flag if they him and haw, they act like they're not sure what you're talking about and you say does the plan come with a post layout uh, can you do peer footing layout can can you do the post layout on a continuous foundation those are all great questions to ask and see what their response is because if their response is well you know we just say thank you so much for your time have a good day um You know, or you just come to Mr. Post Frame first and ask that question because that is is one of the key essential items to all of our plan sets.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense to me. And I would say to answer that same question for Steel Frame, it's pretty much the same. Um, A lot of folks get bent out of shape about, well, oh, do I need to get plans before I buy my building? Do I need to buy my building and then get plans for that building? Um, The answer is somewhere in between. I think you need to get educated on the type of steel building that it is you want to buy. So for me, it was red iron steel. I knew from talking to several different companies that the standard in that arena with those types of buildings is not eight foot on center, but 20 foot on center for the supports and you're looking at those structural members taking up anywhere from a foot wide to I think ours at the, at the base are like 18 inches wide coming into the house. So you're looking at a significant amount of space being eaten up by the structure itself. And if you know those dimensions and you understand how the cabling works, you can kind of pick and design plans yourself with those in mind. Um, and whenever you buy a pre-engineered steel building, You have the opportunity to have it engineered around certain openings, whether it's going to be giant garage doors or your front door, but you don't want to mess with your 20 foot on center spacing um, for those main structural members. So that would be my word of advice for anyone looking at steel plans is you need to make sure that the spacing works with this kind of steel building and the standard spacing for that.
1: Yes, yes, both types of the both of these types of construction and getting to brag that you have big spans and you have open concept and everything like that. They work when you when you when you play by their rules, they they start not working when you try to make it behave like a stick built home and that's where you get into a weaker. Uh, you know, it's still not a weak structure, but, it, but you you have to change things to make sure that it stays strong. That's the problem. And it adds expense. It adds effort, you know, keep it simple.
0: Exactly. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Let me go ahead and grab my next question. So <laughs> why are steel frame barn or post frame barn more common in some areas
1: than others? <laughs> Uh, we get this question quite a bit and uh, if you just you know you've probably observed that there is kind of a line that goes through the middle of the united states and your southern states that's where steel frame is the most popular and then you see post frame the, mo- the most popular in the northern states now they definitely flip-flop um, i would say that post frame from a weather perspective and from an insulation perspective is the mo- is the more versatile of the two types Uh, So we're in Iowa and we have extreme winter, we have extreme summer. So you have that change and really it's about the cold. So it's about that metal is a conductor. And so you have to remember that, like you have to go back to junior high science class and remember that that's a fact of the matter. And so, you know, that's why we always say uh, you know you have to keep all those factors in mind when you're building because you're gonna have to treat the building differently depending on what you're building it with and so um you know so so post frame wood does not conduct the same way that metal does you know so uh, so we're able to get a better um not better I think that's a wrong word um, it's just it's a it's a logical way to build when you're having to insulate against. 20 below and with 40 degree wind, negative 40 degree wind chill days.
0: Yeah. And then a few months later, like opposite, exactly right. a few months later, then it's a
1: hundred degrees outside. So, um, you know, while I know that the South has really hot summers, like you have to think about, but what is the temperature swing? Like we're going a hundred plus degree temperature swings in, in a matter of like six months is yeah. what we swing.
0: What, um, I know termites are insane here, which was a thought of ours because we live in a swamp. Um, we live in a, a woodland swamp. The most treed <laughs> beaches in the United States are that's literally what we what we claim here for our beaches in Surf City. So for us, like building with steel made a lot of sense rather than post-frame, because A, we have we have crazy termite <laughs> issues and the moisture, tons and tons of moisture. It can be 60% humidity for. I don't think there's a single day in the year here where it's less than 60% humidity, to be honest. Um, that's like a really great day. Most days it's 80 plus. So for us, steel made a lot of sense because we don't want to deal with termites. We want to be able to wall as much off as possible. We put all kinds of um, deterrents for small animals and uh, and bugs in inside of the wall cavity before you even get to our inner uh, lumber for all of our standard yes. stick framing inside of the house portion. So- that worked for me, but I don't know, do you guys
1: have um, similar issues with bugs there? We have issues with bugs. Um, We don't have, and people like termites are a real thing in in this part of the country too. So it's not, it doesn't seem to be the number one topic like it is in other parts of the United States. Uh, I think that the thing to, the two things to keep in mind, and mainly just one is that it, you have to still pay attention. Even, you know, if you build a steel frame, like you said, like you had to do other things. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just, oh, I'm going to build steel frame and that's going to solve all my problems because you, you said it, you still have lumber. Like you're not actually (laughs) eliminating wood. And I think people forget about that. That it's like, they're like, well, I want this because it's going to keep the termites away. And I was like, all your walls are still framed with wood. Like you're not actually escaping using wood. Um, so you, you have to still prepare. We do a lot of really great things to prep for, uh, rodent, uh, for, from rodents getting in. I mean, we're, we're in rural areas. There's probably like 3 million mice out in our woods somewhere, you know, so, in state, <laughs> you know, like we, we actually live in a place where there's timber rattlers and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so we do certain things with like our grade board, our trim, um, You know just different different ways that we build that not every every builder actually does uh, that that really make it difficult for something to burrow under and then uh, that's one of the that's one of our reasons for. uh, Using closed cell spray foam in our builds too, is that it seals everything off uh, from the outside, so your bugs are still going to get behind your panels, you know, inevitably because they're tiny. I mean, they're just, you know, bugs get back there, but they actually can't get into your wall cavity because there's something that's closed. It's literally closed. Yeah. So they can't, they can't burrow through that. Our spray foam um, guy even said, he was like, I put open cell spray foam in, in part of like some, in something he was doing. And he said, the mice just made tunnels through it. Like, oh, crazy. No. and he said, and then I have like closed cell and he's like, they can't burrow through it. So, there's there's my two cents about all that. Cool. Well, it makes sense
0: to me. So I think we only yes. have a couple more questions, and then that will be uh, that'll be it. Oh, here's the best one. <laughs> We're on the last question. It's the best one. Uh, when is the best time to build a barnuminium?
1: Whenever you want to and you can afford to, that's the best time. Uh, that trying to time the market on on this is uh, I used to be a financial advisor and you would get so many people asking about timing the market uh, with stocks and and mutual funds and all that kind of stuff and I said it just you gotta you gotta go for it when it's your when it's your opportunity to go for it you can't um, I'm not talking about day traders so nobody come for me because yes you can try to time things and make more money. But I'm just saying in general, for the general population, the best time to build a barnuminium is when you're actually in a financial position and ready to. Uh, addressing interest rates, they have risen exponentially this year, uh, but they are something that rises and falls. And so you build now and you refinance later. Mater- a lot of material costs have come down. Uh, don't expect everything to come down uh, at all. Uh, it's it's really only your commodities that are going to fluctuate in price like your uh, uh, construction lumber uh, steel prices uh, window companies have put their pricing up they, they're not going to bring it down just just for the sake of it because it's not a commodity so so that's something to keep in mind too when people are like well it's gone down in price well it's not going to go every element of building will not come down the same way most things will stay up
0: right and labor costs have only gone up and that's not going to change yeah
1: right exactly because there's you know inflation um so people have to make more to live the same way uh, so but the best time to build a barnum and is when you have prepared you've educated yourself you have put yourself in a financial position to be able to do what it is that you want to do uh, whether it's having somebody build a home for you turnkey or it's doing it yourself uh, and you know interest rates of course are going to be a factor in what you could afford in a monthly mortgage payment Uh, But they can't be the only reason that you do or do not do this uh, because they do change and and they probably will like come back down and people will get to refinance and then they'll probably go up again, you know, like it's just not going to be a constant. Right. That's
0: like asking when's the best time to lose weight. It's like, it's, it's, there's really no good time to commit. You just got to do it when you're ready,
1: you know? Right. Exactly. (laughs) When you're ready, not when you think that your friends are all ready, not when you think that, that the internet is ready or anything like that. It's when you're ready because it is a, the barn, barn it's because it's more than just a build. It's really, it's about taking another step in a, in a lifestyle direction. Uh, Most people have have a lot of goals that are tied to building this way uh, for their children for the way they want to feed their families for the way that they want to uh, just spend their free time Uh, so that's so focus on those things and. uh, My husband says, if you, you know if you, you have to want it bad enough to do whatever it is that you have to do to get there. So if you are like, well, I don't think so, we'll wait. You don't want it bad enough yet. So when you want it bad enough, do what it takes, get it built, live, live your Barnuminium life. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Well, that I think wraps up our Q&A episode for today, which I loved. I like doing this. I really do. Um, (laughs) I liked going through my email and getting like reading all these little questions. So Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and start uh, pulling all these resources and putting them into the show notes so that we can hook people up with all the good information that is on your website, Um, which looks fantastic, by the way, the website looks amazing. I don't know if you guys know or not, but just so that everyone listening knows. Mr. Postframe is like a brand new website, and it is super functional and beautiful. And uh, we will be linking all kinds of stuff for you guys, so you can check it out and hopefully get really deep answers and resources for all of these questions. If you want to support the show, make sure that you're sharing on social media. Share us in a couple of those Barn Dominium Facebook groups. Um, we'll be lurking in the comments if you do tag us. <laughs> no, but seriously, we would love um, we would love your support that way. Leave us a review. And we will see you next Thursday.